Hi there, and thanks for listening to Shim Satira's podcast series, Sounds Like Folk. My name is Joanne Barry, and I am the Repertory Director with the National Folk Theatre at Shim Satira. My involvement with Shimsa began as a nine-year-old child and I've been working with the company as a teacher, performer and all-round folky for the last 15 years. Despite any restrictions, the creative impulse to swap our stories and engage with our audiences remains. I hope you enjoy this new way of Bohan Thircht, or gathering together, allowing a window into Shimsa Tira, which itself was born from a coming together of like-minded people a place where ideas and stories are celebrated. On today's podcast, I'm really thrilled to chat with Myrne Gaulig, one of Ireland's finest traditional singers and herself an alumna of Shim Satira. Myrne is a multi-award winning traditional singer and musician from Corcoguina in West Kerry. A leading exponent of the Shano style, her repertoire also includes songs from a wide variety of folk and contemporary sources. Murin has enjoyed a successful career as a touring artist with over 13 years experience as lead singer and flute player with the Irish traditional supergroup Danu, as well as many years performing as a solo artist. She is also a popular television presenter, having hosted a range of programmes for Irish and Scottish TV over the past 15 years, including the celebrated traditional music series Part. She currently presents two music programmes, Mallert Pertle Mirren and Unbrain Gaelach on RTE Radio on the Gaeltachta. It was a great pleasure to chat to Mirren today about music, singing, performance and motherhood and I really enjoyed her honest and open conversation. Enjoy the chat. Just to start and welcome you to Sounds Like Folk and thanks so much Mirren for being, uh, being a part of this chat. Um, I suppose I really wanted to talk to you because... Um, you're a traditional singer and you are sort of a, a, a someone that I think fits that kind of folky, what I would consider someone to be a folky or a shimsa person. Um, but am I right in saying that you were in the classes? Because I have a memory of you in the classes. Was that you or was it someone else? <laughs> oh, that was me. I was. I did three years in Tig Shimsa back west here and then... Oh God, several years with Shim Satira, several summers in the minibus going in to do Ding Dang Dethero, Forging the Dance. And of course, mom was working in there. So exactly. there was that connection there anyway. But um, I feel like I got amazing training from those years, like just getting used to being on stage. And I always, <laughs> I was a terrible dancer, like the worst. And I was hopping from instrument to instrument. So Anne McCall, if I'd say, was annoyed at me as well. I'd be on the flute and then I'd be on the fiddle. And yeah. you know, I was still figuring everything out. And I didn't have a high soprano voice, still don't. So I didn't really fit into singing the lead for any of the songs either. So I was either singing an alto line or I used to get a comedy role. <laughs> 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 but I, you know, I did it all happily. I, I just loved the the crack we had and I have just brilliant memories of those days yeah this is really not me sort of blowing smoke at you and 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 but I do remember uh your your uniqueness I really do like I remember we we would always I made loads of friends from the dingle bus because I was I don't know was I kind of drawn to the drawn to those crowd drawn to that crew but I do drawn to the madness 
Yeah, just you coming in and sort of, I remember thinking even at that age, because we're a similar age, I was thinking, God, I'd say that girl just dances to her own drum. She just does her own thing. Gosh, I wish, I wish that were so. I think I felt completely like I didn't fit in because I hadn't quite found, I knew I wanted to do it and I, I loved it, but I also was kind of frustrated with myself at the time because, you know, I wasn't excelling at a lot of the things. And so that I never enjoy doing things I'm not good at. I know, but who does? Who does? And then, you know, I suppose maybe, you know, a lot of people say now that the not fitting in thing is, is not that it's a good thing when you're a kid, because obviously it's a tough thing, but it's also something that you look back on and think, you know, that's okay too, because I, I found my path and I found my way. And how did you find your way into, into this career and what you're doing now? Was it always going to be this for you? Oh gosh. Well, looking back now, I have come around to the idea of meant to be and things, you know, fate, maybe having a little plan for you, but I certainly didn't have a plan. Um, but I feel very, very happy where I am now and I can't imagine doing anything else, but in a lot of ways, things just kind of happened. You know, it sounds weird, but I just kind of fell into this and fell into that. You know, I went to art college in Dublin, um, and fell into sessions uh, and then ended up doing the MA in UL in traditional music performance. Now that really helped me. I think that was the first time I ever kind of focused myself properly. You know, I was scattery with an interest in so many different things, mm. Mm, but never quite the focus to just you know, just really commit to something. Yeah. And sometimes, really you need, sometimes you need to get to that age, don't you, as well, maybe to, you know, at that little bit older, because I think, I often think, God, at 18, who knows what they, you know, who knows what they oh want. Oh my God, Joanne, you're so right. I feel so sorry for Leaving Cert students. It's such a pressure uh, to know who you want to be. How are you supposed to know? I love the idea of like doing something kind of general and even taking time out. And I learned so much from just playing those sessions and getting to know there was an amazing scene in Dublin at the time. And in art college, you know, I really wanted to learn the traditional art skills that my granny had learned. She went to NCAD and I was hoping I'd learn those. But at the time, what was really popular was like video art and performance art and, you know, talking about your trauma. And I was 18 and thankfully didn't have that much trauma to talk about. And so <laughs> again, it was more like, God, what am I meant to be doing here? You know, um, it was really that course in UL, I think, just put me on the right track. I made a little CD as part of my MA and the Danu lads heard it and were looking for someone at the time. And I knew the fiddler in the band, Oshin McCauley. We had um, shared a flat in Dublin years before. And that was the start of it then. That was just it. And I just got carried along by things then. Yeah. Fell into a bit of telly, fell into a bit of radio. And I suppose now at this stage, know what I'm able to do and what I'm not really good at. And, I'm, you know, so it's nice to be able to finally have that figured out and be able to take it from there. No. <laughs> it took a while. Yeah. And I, I, I can really um, understand when you talk about going to college and, and people making, you know, this cool stuff, you know, 
this video art, this performance art, talking about, you know, your troubles or, and not placing, which I've learned maybe only now, not placing value in the traditional, you know, and the stuff that's been there forever. Well, I mean, you can, you can draw comparisons, absolutely, Joanne. You can draw comparisons between the art world and the music world as well. I mean, I just think, you know, if you're going to experiment with things, you really need to know where you're coming from and what you're working with to begin with. There's a basic respect there for the material, but also you have to learn to, what is it, crawl before you can walk or walk before you can run. Sometimes people skip those steps. And I know in a way I did myself with certain things and it just the work isn't good then. It's not well informed and it doesn't have a foundation behind it. Yeah, so, it's, yeah, I think it's essential. Yeah, yeah. And where are you living now? Were you born in Kerry, Marin? I was kind of born all over the place. My, my, <laughs> my dad worked for Kogol Nanilon. Uh, he was the manager of the co-op in Inishir, uh, one of the Aran Islands, and then did the same job again in Cape Clear off West Cork. So the first few years of my life were spent on islands. And then we settled here in West Kerry uh i suppose i was maybe eight or nine eight probably and uh you know it was as close a thing to an island as you could get really fantastic school with a massive emphasis on the arts Mm -hmm. still does and my own girls go there now which is brilliant um and as you know just a really thriving musical community and artistic community Yes, and I was going to, the reason I asked you that, I suppose, is because where you are now in that sense of place and yeah. and what it gives to you as an artist. Because I remember the first time I, you know, we used to go on, you know, the sort of the, when you're younger, the Sunday drives and my dad would always go back, sleigh head and we'd all go off the car. Yeah. That's all, that's all we did when we were younger in the summers. But I remember my first kind of solo trip going to the, going to the Gaeltox from, from, probably about 16 and it was my first time spending a lot of time you know back west and I remember just being so like so taken like it's still one of my favorite places in the world so taken with it and it's just it's there like it's up your nose there's nature up your nose back there so that's you're tripping over archaeology you're falling over musicians like it's it's all there you you can't escape it so much of what I got was by osmosis I think you know you can't avoid it yeah, absolutely. And do you yeah. feel responsibility then, Maureen? Uh, um, I've, I've asked a lot of kind of shames to people this, I guess. But do yeah. you feel a responsibility, you know, having inherited this tradition and, and, and being that person that puts this, all of this traditional stuff out into the world? Do you feel sort of almost like a bit of pressure and responsibility to, to, that you're beholden to it and that you need to mind it and pass it on to the next generation? That was something I carried around around with me for a very long time, um, not just regarding the music, but regarding the language. Mm-hmm. When we were young, we were often told my generation that we were the last ones mm-hmm. and it all was down to us. And I just think that's a huge responsibility to place on a child's shoulders for something that you want them to enjoy. Uh, and, you know, it can create a negative context, I suppose. And yes, absolutely, very much so with the songs as well and terrified to touch them, terrified of getting a word wrong. You know, many, many years spent actually just being terrified. Um, and I don't feel like that anymore, um, partly to do with age, um, partly to do with having two kids and, and learning what to really stress about. Mm-hmm. And 
partly due to a pandemic and the world coming to an end and like you know I'm just gonna go with it now and just you know do my own thing plow my own furrow I have a great respect for what came before me I hope people can see that um but it's important to me as well that I have a creative outlet and that I can grow and develop as an artist as well so you know I think that it doesn't have to be one or the other no absolutely and and I, I didn't realize this until I had asked you to be part of the podcast and I went down the Google rabbit hole. But this, uh, forgive me if I pronounce it wrong, aeons or eons? Oh, yeah. That was my midlife crisis. That's amazing, though. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think there's no there's no doubt from, you know, from listening to you singing and seeing you perform live that that you understand what it is, whatever, whatever it is in that's inbuilt into that tradition, as you said, that you soaked up by osmosis. But I can really identify with you wanting to do something like eons, because, as you say, there has to be some sort of outlet for your creativity, not just within the confines of a song or what you've been given. Absolutely. I think, you know, so Eons was a kind of an, elect an electronica project with the musician Patrick Rin. And for me, it was really exciting to be creating and composing, which I don't do very often, with the Irish language, which I think is hugely exciting for me because I find it a much easier and musical language to sing in. And it's essential that we keep creating art in the language rather than constantly looking back and you know archiving it and treating it like an artifact you have to move forward and bring it with you so that was a hugely positive project for me in terms of my relationship with the language exploring things vocally that i can't do within the shannos tradition um what I won't do, I suppose, is, is maybe a better way of, of, of explaining that, you know, there are there are lines I just choose not to cross in terms of how I perform traditional song, but it doesn't mean I don't want to try it out in other ways, you yeah. know, and by bringing the language with me into this genre. And it was kind of taking an old friend with me, you know, so I wasn't completely uh in what is it you know i wasn't completely at sea with it i had that comfort zone with the language but i was just sure. you know taking it down a different path yeah and, and as you say it was a positive experience and that can only be, that can only feed into the other things that you do you know once you Absolutely. stretch those muscles uh it, it informs all the other stuff yeah, you kind of, I kind of look at it like having a, a toolkit or an artist's palette and all the colours are there mm -hmm. and you know what you, what, you know, what you're going to use, what colour for. You might not use them all at the same time, but, but they're there. And certainly having that knowledge, I think, is just creates a far broader understanding of music as a whole. And for the likes of us, Joanne, like we didn't grow up in the 1800s. We have listened to all sorts of music and been exposed to different cultures. And it's kind of almost like it's almost false to try and be purely one thing for me, from my perspective. It's like you're closing off all the other things that you've been exposed to. And those are important, too. Yeah, because we're creating things that are going to be passed on as well. And, and you know, we have to be allowed allowed to to push a little bit you know just to see how far it stretches and you're not going to break it or smash it or disrespect it but you have to be able to yeah just to stretch it a bit and and 
do you think that when you did that, you know, um, how was it perceived? Was it was it sort of something like that? When was he on sort of like okay? Uh, was it well, was it well received or was it like what's she up? What's she at? <laughs> okay, so what she at was definitely my dad's reaction. Okay, uh, <laughs> I was. It was so lovely that the music was embraced by this new cool inspiring young generation of irish speakers who blow my mind i mean it's a whole new world out there i only wish i had that confidence and freedom um when i was in my early 20s i look at them and i just see how much they enjoy the music and the language it's the same within the traditional music scene as well there seems to be more space for everything maybe we're all relaxing a bit certainly the music is safe whatever about the language but you know i think people feel then that there can be the purest there can be the people who absolutely focus in on one regional style and that's it and then you've got the groups that are experimenting with different things and we can all coexist so yeah the music with eons i was really really glad that people seem to like it. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily indicative of where I'm going to go in the future, no. but it certainly showed me that you can stretch yourself and people will be okay with that. And it's it's good for it's good for you. And it's it's just part of developing, I suppose. So yeah, it was it was something that I'm really, really glad I did. Lovely. Um, you mentioned as well um, becoming a mom and passing on, I suppose, this language and, and this tradition. I know what it did to me, <laughs> becoming a mother as an artist and working in the arts. But how was that experience for you? How is it? <laughs> oh, um, so I have two daughters. Um, I feel like it can be a kind of a hackneyed thing to say, you know, it's life changing and everything like that. But certainly, um, my first daughter was premature by nine weeks and I am the kind of person who was very organized and it just blew my world apart. And then I was quite unwell myself after having her for quite some time as well. And it just there, there were some really hard times. I'll be honest, like I had to go back on the road. Uh, Saif had just been let out of the special care unit and literally a week later I was over at the Cambridge Folk Festival on stage and she was strapped onto me. She was only six pounds at that stage. Like, I think I put too much pressure on myself as a young mother to be able to get back at it as soon as possible. Well, one of those reasons was because I didn't have the kind of job where you get maternity leave. Another part of me was, maybe this is also changing, but certainly this having it all idea and all these super moms and I can do that too. Mm. You know, I, I love to, I love to say to people now, it's really hard. Don't try and do it all. Yeah. Something, something will give and it'll probably be you. <laughs> so I wish looking back that I had tried to be in the moment more and not like, God, I have to please everyone and I, I can't, you know, fall off the grid as a musician or all these things. I know, I know. But um, looking back now, I think it's certainly, it shook me up. Uh, I needed to be shaken up. Mm -hmm. uh, it loosened me out and I'm, you know, a lot more relaxed about things. I, I really don't stress about things that 
really used to keep me awake at night. Yeah. 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 And I think that's good for an artist, you know, because when you're holding yourself with that kind of perfectionism and tightness and anxiety, I mean, it's, it, it's going to affect your performance, you know, absolutely. so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as a performer, then, you know, because I, I like obviously physically you're a different person after you have children. But I think there's there's the whole mental side of it as well. And, and the, I don't know, it just brought this depth, I think, to to feeling and to the, what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to explore. And, you know, I think that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think you're right, both emotionally and physically. Um it brought a depth. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the sound of my voice changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what happens. You know, a, a lot of women talk about how their voice sounds different after pregnancy. Maybe it's hormones. Um, certainly as well, you've expanded that kind of chest area and your yeah. breathing changes. Mm-hmm. A lot of things are just more developed. And Karen Casey said to me once that the peak time for a female singer is if she's going to have children after she's had her babies and the hormones have kind of settled again, that's kind of your your sweet spot. Okay. Wow. And to to milk it. (laughs) (laughs) Brilliant. (laughs) Uh, I'd love to talk a bit about your music as well. And I had asked um, prior to 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 if you could, I don't know if you can choose, but some favorites that you sing and perform and that maybe we could share as part of, of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks, Joanne. Um, and thanks for having me, by the way. It's really nice to, to talk to you and talk about music. Um, I just released uh, a new EP, which is kind of the way I've been doing things for the last while, just with the way the recording industry has gone and how quickly things appear and disappear. I'm just kind of releasing a couple of songs at a time. And I think my favourite song from the album is the V-Ban Ossel. I think it's I'm happiest with this vocal performance. It's it's great to actually be happy about something and just go, yeah, that, that yeah. that's something I think hopefully I'll be proud of forever. Um, and I really like the treatment that Donald O'Connor gave it as well. So it's a long one. You just certainly don't have to play all of it. But if you want to play an excerpt. <laughs>
Nadu, yeah, that's the name of the new EP. So that means nesting, uh, which we were doing. Um, so it seemed appropriate. <laughs> lovely, lovely. I asked all of my guests on, on Sounds Like Folk to kind of, if they could um, remember or, or think back to a pivotal moment in their career, you know, where something shifted and they thought, okay, this is different. This is where I want to go. Or maybe it's where I don't want to go. Have you got one of those, Marin? Was there a, was yes. there a moment? Yeah, I, I was thinking about it after I got your email, Joanne, and there was a piece of advice given to me a number of years ago that changed everything for me. I was, like I was saying, you know, obsessed with perfectionism and really suffered very, very badly from stage fright. Like I used to be sick physically sick before a show. I had like the shaky knees and the dry mouth. And, you know, I'd be struggling with my tuning because my voice would be shaking and just years of when I think back torture. I remember physically hanging onto the microphone so that I wouldn't run off the stage, like forcing myself to stay on stage. <laughs> and uh, I spoke to one of the, I, I've gone to different vocal coaches and voice experts and one lady uh, Mary Walsh, she said to me, you have to think of it like this. Stage fright is a very selfish condition because you are all consumed with what everyone must think of me. And that kind of blew my mind because I don't want to be that person. You know, I thought I was being perfectionist because I wanted to keep everyone else happy. And then I realized, no, they're actually grand and you know for someone in the audience it's it's the communication it's the overall experience it's the shared evening we've had together rather than that one note that might have been you know not quite bang on um, and that just oh that changed everything and just being able to relax into my mistakes <laughs> Yeah, it, it's just made the whole performing experience so different. And it's all about being a moment in time. Yeah, I know, I know. There's so much talk, you know, now. Of, and maybe it's because we're so surrounded, especially I think since the pandemic, you know, screens and information and news and you know, we're being so encouraged. Like my husband is a, is a massive meditator. Wow, great. Trying to get me slowly but surely trying to pull me into that world. I can relate to the stage fright and that, you know, I'm, I'm performing a long time and I still suffer with those things. But I think if, if, if what COVID has taught me and this pandemic has taught me, and I don't know if you can, can relate to this, but it has taught me to just, just deal with this moment, you know, be present in this moment rather than worrying, as you say, about the things that really don't matter, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's wonderful that you got that from it, Joanne. Really great. Um, COVID didn't suit me so good, <laughs> but um, I definitely am coming out of it with an even, I don't want to say drive, but just like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let anything stop me from 
like myself, I was always the one in my own way, really. Mm -hmm. Just just follow your, your heart's desire and, and make the music you want to make. Be with the people you love and yeah. go to the places you want to see. There, we don't have that much time. But this is know? it. I know, I know. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's 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 just what what really brings you joy, isn't it? And 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 to try and just do that. What's what's all the rest of it about? <laughs> <laughs> it's all only nonsense. All the other stuff is just nonsense. Um, and if you if there's a um, and I'm sure there will be lots of people listening, you know, that maybe think they're going to go down the road of wanting to, to work in the traditional arts and be in the traditional arts and maybe be a singer in the traditional arts. Do you have advice for 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 young people kicking off into that career and starting that journey? Well, yeah, loads. <laughs> and I love speaking to young people who are starting off. I love giving vocal workshops and so much of it is spent just talking, I think. Um, and that's a really important thing. Don't be afraid to speak to other singers, especially singers who've been around a bit longer. We love talking about singing and you know, we love sharing our knowledge. Um, so to engage with us um, and also, I suppose, to to remember that, you know, it is a fickle business or industry or whatever you want to call it. So I've been lucky that I've a few strings to my bow and I think most of us do um, and to be OK with that. And yeah, to to figure out where it is you shine and, and, and spend the time on that. That's another thing. We have so many opportunities these days. Young people have so many opportunities. It can be overwhelming for them. Um, you know, they're playing very often, you know, five or six instruments and they're singing lots of different types of music to, to focus if you can, because that was something I wish I had had more guidance in maybe. Um, and, uh, yeah just take your time and listen 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 yeah <laughs> it's always good to listen that's good advice indeed yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. i had a great conversation with your mom um a couple of on yeah a couple of weeks ago uh, we were just talking about different things and i hadn't talked to her in such a long time and god she really kind of fed my soul in a week where i was like sitting at the computer just you know emailing 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 and she used this lovely phrase about um living tradition you know she that what we do what Shimsa does and, and what you do and this living tradition and you work sort of very much in in the traditional arts scene I suppose I'm slightly different in that I work as part of a theatre company but are you are you hopeful for I think you mentioned that the music is safe are you hopeful that this is all all of this living tradition that we've been given that we don't own by any means is is safe and is 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 evolving in a good way this is something I think about a lot, Joanne. And what I think sometimes is that we who are asking this question sometimes equate what the tradition is with early 20th century recordings <laughs> and nothing else. Whereas, you know, what is tradition? It's just what people do when they're together, when they're creating, when they're celebrating, when they're commemorating and has been around for millennia. We just happen to, I think, focus in particular on 50 years of something. So it's important to remember that's only a speck <laughs> of all that has come before us and all that is going to come after us. So 
I suppose we, we can only do what we can within how informed we are. I mean, there's so much I wish I could have heard. I have these books and lyrics in them and no music, you know, who knows what they sounded like, who knows what the instruments being played sounded like. So I like to try and take a, 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 a step further back again when I think of how I am um, my place in context within the tradition. I think it's kind of a, a much larger question than is the tradition safe? That's kind of where I'm at with, I'm at with it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I've, I've, I've never asked a singer this, but I'm going to ask you, when you're singing a song, um, be it Oscega or Osberla, because I had an interesting conversation with very brief but interesting with Makdara Yates about about singing and he was asking me why I had picked a particular song and I was you know trying to explain to him and he was saying that's a very you know actor or actor-ish answer because I was talking about story and yeah. I suppose is that is that something because essentially is that what you're is that what you're doing are we telling stories Yes, we are. But I do think that there are some singers who are more drawn to a story than others. Mm -hmm. um, I know my friend Pauline Scanlon would always say the story is so important to her. I'm melody driven. Okay. I just am. I'm a musician um, and it's the melody that grabs me initially. Now, if I don't like the lyrics, well, that's a different story. Um, yeah. But it's it's usually melody that hits me first, or if I'm really lucky, both. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. that's I, I I kind of expected you to say that because of the kind of voice that you have, and you, it's very clear your command of it as an instrument. You know, um, I listened to um, Faye O'Rourke. She's the Little Green Cars vocalist. Oh I, yeah. I'm ashamed to say it's now called Soda Blonde. They did a John Lennon um, tribute on RTE and she sang Beautiful Boy, John Lennon song Beautiful Boy. And it was so clear to me that the way she the way she sang, that she was completely in command of her voice. Well, isn't that the dream? You know, it's something. Yeah, I'm still working on that. I actually have a vocal workshop after I speak with you. Um, I think it's always a work in progress, but certainly I'm at a place now where I'm, I'm really quite happy that I can, I can choose a song, not because it's easy to sing and I don't have to shy away from a song with a big range or extra long phrases or anything like that. It's just so that I can try and do them justice, you know, but it's actually, it becomes really <laughs> in a nerdy way, it becomes really fun once you start analyzing things, the mechanics of it, breaking it down. Like I'm actually really, really into that. Some singers are not, and they don't want to talk about that kind of aspect of singing, but um, I'm nerdy about it. And yeah, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Um, so it's it's exciting. Yeah, that's wonderful because I, I feel, you know, that if that's, if that's where you're coming from as well, it's, it's, it's it's like playing an instrument you know it's you can only become better and better whereas perhaps I'm just talking from my own perspective if you just sing you know it, you're you're sort of throwing it out there and maybe not knowing where it's going to land and that's the scary part and maybe that's where my stage fright comes from as well with singing you know 
Maybe, Joanne, but that can also be a really beautiful thing and a beautiful experience for the listener, that sense of the unknown and the naivety of it sometimes, if for want of a better word, it can be really, really beautiful and sometimes more in touch emotionally with the song than the most trained of singers. So it's it's really a delicate balancing act. And I'm, I'm quite mindful of that, that I, you know, I'm, I'm learning and honing these skills, but I don't want to lose touch with the soul of the song either. So it's sure. it's always walking that fine line for me. Lovely. Thanks, Marin. Are there exciting plans for the rest of this year, for next year for you? Lots of singing and in gigs and I hope. Uh, Joanne, I've been so lucky, like I can't complain. I got a lot of great opportunities during the pandemic that music other musicians didn't get and they saved my sanity and just nourished me for a few weeks and kept me going a little bit longer. And I've been working on a really a project that for me is a dream come true during the lockdown with my friend Don O'Connor, who's the producer of this project. Um, so we're it's called Reimagining Roisin and it's 12 big Shannos songs arranged by six different Irish composer arrangers and performed with the Irish Chamber Orchestra. So it's going to be it's going to be performed for the first time at the Kilkenny Arts Festival and then we're we're going to make it into an album and hopefully take it on the road. So that's that's the thing I've been I suppose that's the thing that's been really nurturing me creatively during this time, you know, um, between the homeschooling and making the radio shows, which I, I love doing, but I have to have a project of my own. I just have to. And this is I can't actually believe that this is going to happen. You know, it just seemed so pie in the sky. But somehow, again, the cards just fell the right way. And I'm really, really grateful. So that's that's the main big thing. Well, Marin, that was fabulous. Thank you so much um, for having the chats. Thank you for having me, Joanne. It's so nice to talk to you. Yeah, you too. And I wish you well for for the rest of the year and all the projects. I really looking forward to that project that you spoke about. Um, your where can people find your music, Marin, and where can people buy your music? Well, if you want to buy it physically or download it, you can go to my website, www.morin.ie. Um, but it's also available on all streaming sites on Spotify and Apple and all those other ways that you can get your music. So yeah. as long as you can figure out how to spell my name, you should be able to find it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to our podcast, which was edited by Tom Hannafin. For further information on Mirren and her wonderful music and projects, go to www.mirren.ie. Her music is also available to download on all streaming platforms. To find out more about Shimsa and our new and upcoming work, head over to our website www.shimsatira.com. You will also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Until next time, bye bye.